everyone, and welcome to episode 81 of the F1 Show for coverage of the 2010 Japanese Grand Prix at Suzuka. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau, and I don't know if I can quite match that level of enthusiasm, but it's going to be a great show for you today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We've got all the coverage of the news that you could ever want. We've Waving got my arms vigorously. <laughs> culture of the race and all the excitement of the weekend and the rain and the shine and everything. So stay tuned. So we're getting down to the end of the season now. We've got lots of announcements coming out for what's going to happen next year. And a big one for that is uh, with Lotus having announced uh, – they haven't actually officially announced a new engine deal. They said they're not working with Cosworth anymore. They've terminated that deal. Uh, but they will be running uh, Red Bull Technology uh, hydraulics and gearbox systems. And with the expected announcement that they're going to have Renault Powertrain, they actually would have the same uh, engine, gearbox, hydraulics, and basically kind of rear car, rear pieces of the car as Red Bull Racing. So it's – they won't have the aerodynamic magic of Adrian Newey. No. But uh, they otherwise could have a pretty stout package. Lotus seems to be, of the new teams, definitely the ones to uh, take them take seriously. They, uh, they've, they've been competitive this year. They've been the fastest of the new teams. Looks like we might be seeing uh, Sir Branson in a, uh, what is it, Air Asia uh, uh, uh what do you call it? The freaking thing. What are you talking about? Well, I did, flight attendant. Oh, oh, the flight attendant. Outfit yes. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. No, it's just, the, this is we're warming up still. Yes. Here. Got it. Anyway, yeah. So uh, they've been very good, very strong, and it sounds like they're going to take a big bite out of the gap that they have this year for next year, and might start being competitive against the STRs and uh, uh, Saubers of the world. That uh, that could be certainly very cool to see them step up a notch. Uh, speaking of some other uh, backmarker teams for right now, last week we were or two weeks ago we were happy to report that uh, Christian Clean was in the car um, to replace Sakan Yamamoto. This week we are happy to report Christian Clean is back out of that car for Sakan Yamamoto. Yeah, which is interesting because uh, you know at first it was like, oh, Sakan's sick, he's got the flu and he can't make it. Yeah, that whole situation and was weird. We talked about that a little bit. Yeah, but- and then we read the reports. He's like, yeah, I- I'm real sick. You know, he he was. He, he was booted out of the car. He wasn't sick at all, and the reports were just weird. So it's – the way HRT is running things is so bizarre. And what's especially bizarre for the whole thing is Bruno Senna has been quicker than Sakon very consistently. Mm-hmm. Christian Kling jumps in the car. He hasn't driven a car in months of any kind. He hasn't been racing in F1 or anything, and he is 1.2 seconds faster then Bruno Senna in qualifying. He was huge. At a circuit faster. he's never been to. That, yeah, a, it's a tricky circuit anyway, Singapore. And so why Christine Clean is back out of the car, it, it's very odd the way the whole thing works. Well, I think for the Japanese Grand Prix, they really wanted to have a Japanese driver in the field, and <clears throat> probably the money worked out or something to, to do that. But it's, it, you know, I, I think the fallout from last week that we didn't have a chance to really talk about on the show, but um, of just the way HRT and, and, and whether it's the press guys at the team or the drivers or whatever, it seemed like Sakon wasn't, wasn't to blame for this, um, but just sort of treating, treating journalists and the media as, as though like, oh, yeah, we really fooled them. Aha, uh-huh, it's a sick day. It's like, come on, just say what you're going to say like yeah. you know everyone's going to figure it out anyway it's just going to look bad on the team if they try to to lie about why you know what's going on well richard branson said that he is committed to virgin racing for 2011 so i think uh virgin will probably be here next year uh it definitely sounds like lotus is gonna be here next year uh hrt we're not so sure yeah a little bit hard to say uh but you know i think it'd, it'd be cool to see them uh, start doing doing better um and actually you know in a 
you know, sort of one rung up, I think, from those guys in the Sauber team, which has had some pretty strong results, uh, but also had some very, very terrible weekends. Yes. Um, they actually are getting a whole bunch of money in the form uh, or, or from uh, Carlos Slim, the uh, Mexican billionaire, actually the richest man in the world. He's more than Bill Gates now. Wow. Um, that uh, so and, and with the Telmex, yeah, he owns Telmex, and uh, and they've done a lot of sponsorship in Daytona prototype racing in the U.S. There's a whole Telmex car. Oh, the when, when I was racing Skip Barber, I was racing against a bunch of Telmex sponsored yeah. teenagers uh, in the Skip Barber cars. They were they were the only. Well, I mean, there were a couple, but uh, they were they had you know the Skip Barber cars, and everyone's just kind of getting started. Most of the drivers I was racing against were funded by their parents, and then there's these two or three Mexican kids that are got. Corporate funding. They've got a team manager kind of escorting them around because, well, frankly, they're not old enough to well, be on their own. One of those guys might have been Sergio Perez, actually. Sergio Perez, it wasn't him. I, I oh. raced. Um, uh, I raced a guy named Salvador Duran who was really good, and he he's gotten pretty far. I think he even did some GP two stuff, hmm. and he was an A one GP a little bit. But I don't. I don't think he's gotten past uh, GP two. Well, he definitely hasn't gotten past GP two. But I don't know if he's still around or trying or what's going on with him. But yeah. Uh, Telmex has been pretty serious. Their driver development program is really serious. Yeah, and as I understand it, it's uh, Carlos Slim is the, the, the head guy and the main billionaire guy that, with all the money. But his son, uh, one of his sons, is sort of the racing guy, the motorsports guy. And he does all these deals. So I think it's pretty much his full-time job is like, hey, you've got all this money. Get our, get our brand out there. Get our word out there. Make us more money or whatever. Um, so as it happens, they, so they've announced that Sergio Perez will be a driver next year. And I think their announcement in the press was also the first that Pedro De La Rosa heard about it. He's like, oh, I guess that means I'm out of a job now. <laughs> so that was kind of weird. Uh, and then it's presumably Kamui Kobayashi in the other seat. Um, but uh, they haven't said for sure. But, uh, yeah, certainly they've you know gotten a good influx of cash, which I think will be good. I think they need it. You know, Their car has sort of been Definitely. sponsorless or nearly so all year this year. And uh, Not true. They've had Burger King. Thank you. There's that. Powered by the Whopper. Yeah. Um, and then that, like, one, <laughs> one C logo, whatever that is. But um, Sponsored by the letter C. I think it was Sesame Street was sponsoring them for a little while. Yeah. And then uh, the last thing I want to mention was uh, the, the Korean track uh, has had some – the top layer of asphalt has been laid. There's been a bunch of photos of it. And um, it still seems, just from looking at the pictures and from some of the press releases, uh, like, oh, it's kind of shaky as to whether or not it will pass. But then Bernie Ecclestone has come out and said, oh, yes, it's a done deal. It's going to be fine. I've seen everything's good. You know, we're going to have a final inspection Monday, which is tomorrow. Um, Actually, it's today for the Koreans. Yeah, that's probably already – maybe it's already happened, but there's no press releases on it yet. <laughs> but anyway, it's like 10 o'clock Sunday night here in the U.S. But uh, either way, uh, very soon uh, they've, had, they've had the final actual okay inspection. Uh, but the teams already sort of have to plan on it being a go-ahead. And, and Bernie Ecclestone, in an interview at least, has said, yeah, it's a go. Everyone stop pestering me about it. It's going to go. It's going to happen. You know, everyone's concerned about it. But there's nothing to be concerned about. Everything's good. Yeah. Um, by the way, a quick aside from that, uh, Bernie Ecclestone is now supposed to be called the Bernie. The Bernie. So in all these articles and everything, he's referred to as F1 Supremo Bernie Ecclestone. And I want to know, how do you get from being like, you know, chairman of the board or, or like president or whatever to just being Supremo? Like at what point will you be like, oh, yeah, F1 show Supremo. Robert really Warner, good marketing. I guess. <laughs> well, of course, when you talk about Japan and the culture of race, of course, you have to talk about beef and noodles and fish cakes and tofu and shrimp and salmon and tuna 
and I think there was, uh, you know, an endangered seal in there. We probably and... had a little piece of every part of Japanese culture, <laughs> I think, in our tasty meal this evening. Yes, a good 50% of it was in that broth and soup that we tried. It smelled really weird, but it actually tasted quite good. It tasted quite good. However, uh, it proved to be more challenging for my co-host than he was hoping for. Those noodles do not fit in that spoon very well. You know, do they? this Japanese spoon technology, I feel, is is a good fifty years behind the rest <laughs> of the civilized world in terms of spoon technology. I just that that's kind of the flat bottom, the little scoopy spoon thing. I just I was having a hard time. Well, like I mentioned to you before, if there's a lot of things from Japan I really love. I, I'm a big fan of Japanese cars. I like a lot of Japanese culture. I love their rail system, uh, secondhand at least. It sounds really cool. PlayStation's pretty good. Utensils, not so much. Utensils, I think we got them uh, beat pretty well. But either way, uh, there is more to the culture of the Japanese race. Uh, and um, the concern uh, for sort of the future of racing in in, uh, in Japan um, is certainly that all the major uh, Japanese money has gone away. So with Toyota and Honda pulling out, um, a lot of the drivers that were coming in, uh, a lot of the Japanese drivers were backed by one of those manufacturers. Uh, and then the two circuits at which they've raced have been owned by Toyota and Honda. Right. Um, Suzuka is starting to be on that on that edge of kind of older circuit, older facilities, kind of the traffic and stuff. The sort of um, you know lots of issues um, that. Are just it's not up to i mean when you when you look at it as a circuit it looks great and then you look at something like abu dhabi and you're like wow okay this is like a whole different league of, right but, uh, of but as a racetrack itself it is still quite incredible. yes as a racetrack it's brilliant but and i think you would say the the lack of passing there is not the fault of the circuit it's the fault of the car i would say right but uh, my concern is that uh in spite of being a really good track that drivers really love uh you know just the s's uh, 130r just there's so many good the three 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 hundred <laughs> it's not what it's called <laughs> uh there's just a lot of good things about the track but just because of uh the the money involved and of the, you know with lots of other places you know india one you know being on the calendar in 2011 and u.s in 2012 and all that um that it just it, it could fall by the wayside just because there's not the right amount of money uh coming from the right people so uh, and there actually are a pretty big chunk of asian grand prix i mean we have the chinese grand prix the malaysian grand prix now we have the south uh, the south korean grand prix singapore singapore yeah i mean so there's a healthy chunk of races uh in that area of the world it's yeah. a big area of course but it's a big area a lot of people and, and you'd think the major uh, auto markets i mean obviously you know germany the u.s and japan would be uh big you know homes for grand prix and obviously u.s hasn't been for for years now they just because the That's money be over soon though that. thank goodness yeah but still it's it's kind of it's kind of wild you know it's, it's not about um it's, it's not about just the, the the drivers you know what they love it's not about the fans because i mean the japanese fans were just as excited as ever uh at this race you know even through the torrential downpours and all that that we're going to talk about when we start talking about the weekend coverage uh you know there's no shortage of excitement for f1 in japan but there's also no shortage of excitement for f1 in like south america mm-hmm. and That's even true. south africa south and all these africa, other places absolutely. so it's uh there's you know but we, there is hope because you know uh uh, uh kobayashi Kamui is, kobayashi yes is proving to be a very respectable talent and a lot of fun to watch. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later. So there's hope. I, I definitely hope the circuit stays. Me too. So the big story coming out of Friday practice was uh, that we got my lemons car running. Right. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, actually, not actually. Not really. Uh, so <laughs> I'll, I'll mention that. We'll talk later about that. Okay. Um, but the, the McLarens, they had some, uh, some updates coming into this race, and everyone wants to go out on the track, try their updates. Uh, Lewis Hamilton had a really, really big off. Uh, it crashed up the car pretty well in the first Friday practice. That's- Which I thought was a very good move. You know, Hamilton's gonna, Hamilton knows, like, I'm going to crash this weekend Might really as well badly. get it out of the way. I'm going to do it early um, to try to get it out of the way. I that may be what uh, that may be that may have been the strategy. No, it is. It was the strategy. Um, bold, bold strategy. Too bad Jensen Button's faster and better in every way. Wow. Um, <laughs> so I, it's getting late for me. I'll admit that. I, I'm I'm a little punchy. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on with the McLaren story, so. Um, didn't have to write out the monocoque or anything. It wasn't uh, a huge uh, failure, but the uh, it did mean he lost the rest of the uh, Friday track time. Um, Saturday track time was another story. Uh, and then Button, later on in that session, had a, had an off in the same spot, but it was, I think it was a little bit lower speed, or maybe Jensen Button is better in every way than Lewis Hamilton. Correct. I'm not sure. But um, <laughs> it did not go into the wall, but it was a scary moment for both of them. They said the updates were actually good, that it was just sort of some driver errors or some, some wet-dry track situations, trying to figure everything out. But uh, it was you know certainly not looking good for uh, Lewis, who needs a good result after yes. some fairly dismal results previously. Now, if I uh, remember correctly, um, these are the last updates for the McLaren for the year. Uh, that's what I remember uh, Martin Whitmarsh saying. It's like this, we're going to update in Japan, and that's it. We're going to ride it out and see what we can do. So I, I definitely hope they were good for their sake because it, I'm pretty sure that's the last they're going to get. Right then, F1 Saturday coverage, you'd think that'd be qualifying, but with uh, the rain in Japan this weekend, it was not. So uh, Saturday morning practice was, uh, I think there were three cars that set times or two. It's like the the STRs went out, um, but it was just super, super rainy. A couple of the people did installation laps and came back in and said, well, that was useless. Um, Did they uh, race beer cans down the, or pop cans or something down the track? They made little boats. Right. So that was for what would have been the qualifying session. So Saturday afternoon, uh, when it was set to be qualifying, it was just dumping with just like buckets of rain. I mean, it was lots and lots of water. Uh, and a couple of the journalists and, and what was interesting actually was uh, following all this on Twitter, uh, because we can follow, you know, the drivers and some of the team principals and some of the journalists directly and not just get what came through the coverage, which was just kind of, Hey, we're under rain delay. And here's look at what happened in practice. But, uh, getting sort of the, the real story from down on the ground, from different parts of different perspectives, uh, like Will Buxton, for example, early on was like, Oh, it's raining, but come on, these guys are the best drivers in the world. You know, get out there and show them what you, what you can do. And then later he's like, okay, I just went outside. You guys, it's ridiculous out there. (laughs) There's no way you can drive a car. Don't, you know, like, so it ended up being delayed by 20 minutes, delayed by 20 minutes, and they kind of kept, you know, sending out uh, the the safety car and doing uh, reconnaissance laps. Uh, Ended up being delayed until Sunday morning. Uh, So we'll talk about the actual qualifying results in a minute. But what ended up of the session was actually a lot of fun because um, you got to see, so so everyone was sort of prepared and ready to go. There wasn't work that they could do on the cars. Yes. The Virgin team was playing cards. So they were playing poker in the garage. Um, A lot of the other teams were actually building uh, little boats because there was enough of a river in the pit lane. It was like two or three inches deep of water and it was, (laughs) it was running down there. So, I mean, we saw, you know, Mark Weber building this, building these cars, uh, Heki Kovalainen, uh, who showed us last week that he's a competent fireman uh, in in Singapore. Obviously racing driver. And cool as ice. I Um, mean, it's like, dude, your car's on fire. He's like, eh. 
I'll get to it. Hold on. But I got to come to a good spot. Got to stretch. Got to get the yeah. stretch in. Okay, fire extinguisher, please. You know, built built a boat, and uh, actually, he and uh, Mike Gascoigne had a funny exchange on Twitter because uh, because Mike Gascoigne's great about just sort of telling it like it is online. And uh, and he's like he's like, man, if I'd seen uh, the high, the quality of Hecky's boat uh, before you know before doing this, I don't know if I'd hired him as a driver. And then like five minutes later, he comes back. And he's like, but then again, if Hecky'd seen the quality of my car, I don't know if he'd want to drive for me as a driver. <laughs> <laughs> and just and but but we ended up seeing. I mean, like Michael Schumacher out in the pit lane with like a leaf blower pushing his little red his little uh, energy drink powered something rather little boat <laughs> like leaf blowing it down the river and like the mechanics out there so it ended up being a lot of fun uh the the fans to their credit um or because they're crazy i don't know uh, a lot of fans hung out and they were just you know there's like no cars on track even uh let alone a really rainy session with a couple cars going slowly but it was just like just torrential downpours and these fans were just like digging it uh so a, a couple of the guys you know vettel and the guys going out in the well they lane. also said it cost me three hundred dollars to be <laughs> yeah be here i'm gonna make the most of it uh so it but Anyway, it was sort of a cool sort of lighter side of some of the teams and mechanics and the uh, and just the lighter side of, of working with the drivers and all that. It ended up being actually a pretty cool session to watch uh, and, and sort of just follow along online. And I stayed up to uh, just for the beginning of it online when it kept getting delayed and delayed. I ended up falling asleep because it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. But um, it was uh, sort of a fun thing uh, to experience. And, uh, yeah, just kind of a neat thing with, with Twitter and all that. I will tell you, though, that it was not raining in South Haven. And uh, come Saturday, our Saturday was quite active. And uh, uh, one more quick thing before we move on. The Pontiac Trans Am was the fastest car in the world in 1985. Fair enough. <laughs> no one has any idea what you're talking about. Yet. I know. Okay. They're, um, they're called teasers, Jim. But there was a qualifying session. It was Sunday morning and uh, ended up actually happening pretty normal. I mean, it, it seemed like, you know, the mechanics might have to rush. And, well, and it was a little bit damp at the beginning, wasn't it? Yeah, I it was mean, a little bit damp at the beginning, but that dried out. It didn't end up actually causing too much drama and uh, pretty much uh, pretty much happened. Um, but actually, real quickly, before we go to the actual qualifying, um, out of order again, I know, but... There was some talk bef- when they were talking about um, delaying qualifying before they t- before they ended up deciding to do it Saturday, Sunday morning. Um, it was like, okay, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to line these cars up on the grid if we can't qualify? And potato sack race. And when there was, well, uh, you know, put them in numeric order, which is you know how they finished last year's championship, which would put the McLarens one two, uh, the Ferraris kind of mid pack, all the new guys at the back where they would be anyway. It was sort of like, okay, that kind of makes sense, but not really. Maybe current championship order that that kind of makes that sense. That was the most logical um, one, I would say. And then, you know, as people online were like, oh, give everyone a chance in the safety car and see, you know, each, each of the drivers, how fast can they go in the safety how car? How many written off SLS Mercedes would we have had? And then and at one point it was like, uh, who would, who got on track first in a session? If the session had to be stopped part way, it's like, well, who was on track first? And so that would end up with a drag race out of the pits and to the end of the pit lane, which would then be a race of how long, you know, who can keep their car idling at the exit of the pit long enough before the session actually starts, which is, <laughs> it's like, it got kind of ridiculous for Not a exactly what you'd want to determine the yeah order, none yeah. of those things really made a whole lot of sense except maybe championship order but uh so they ended up yeah doing it sunday morning uh and it went, went pretty standard um and uh, ended up with a, a a bad day for massa um uh, ended up you know out in q2 uh, but, schumacher squeaked into 10th place to get on to q3 but it was sebastian vettel that went on and took the pole uh in dominant fashion he was very very fast he was followed by his teammate mark weber and then uh lewis hamilton was able to hold on to third place uh, Robert Kubica ended up in fourth very, very quick, and it was the one and only Ferrari left, Fernando Alonso in fifth. Uh, quick, also uh, sixth place, was Jensen Button, and he was the only one on prime tires. 
Yes, and as we found out Sunday morning, uh, Lewis Hamilton did have to change his gearbox and take a five-spot grid penalty. So even though he qualified third, he would actually have to start eighth, and they go from there. What? No race report? Yeah. Um, sorry, guys. Uh, the fact of the matter is it's 1030 at night. I've had a very long weekend. I'm going to explain why in a few minutes. But uh, in summary, uh, Vettel went on to win the race. I think most of you already know that. Mark Weber, Weber finished second and uh, continues to actually gain in uh, the championship. And uh, Fernando Alonso did finish third in the Ferrari. So, Jim, what a race. Yeah, it ended up uh, being quite drama-filled from not even turn one, but right at the start uh, with a mess. No, wrong. Before the start, yeah, the it, installation On lap. the formation lap, true. Even formation go, lap. Go back one one step before that is, uh, it was, yeah, Lucas Degrassi, right? Um, just had... If just, I've ever seen someone French fry when they were supposed to pizza, that yeah. was the time. He had strict right instructions there. to pizza. He had <laughs> French fried it right Big off the track. Time. Uh, it was at 130R. He was just doing a little wiggle to warm up his tires, and he warmed up the tires against the wall instead as he smacked into them and you know shredded carbon fiber any- everywhere. He was fine, but the car was done. The car was pretty well jacked up. And, uh, yeah, so we had one retirement um, before the grid was even set. Um, so then they, then they do the – then they everybody's on the grid. They do a reconnaissance lap. They go to start, and there's – some craziness from Vitaly Petrov, um, where not that it was necessarily his fault, although he was ended up actually he penalized. Did end up get penalized, but it was it was on the start. It was just kind of screwy. I think you know, getting around a slower car in front of him um, ended up uh, just I don't know what it was, just under acceleration and just maybe shifting weird and and getting too much steering into it or something. But ended up spinning himself off off the track and into the side wall quite hard. I mean, these, yeah. it was not moving long, but these cars accelerate so quickly that uh, he did have a good head of steam, and it messed up uh, Nico Hulkenberg's car. It uh, sort of took off the front yeah. corner of his car the, as he was doing it. The best thing I can surmise from uh, the replays that we saw was that uh, Hulkenberg was slow. Petrov was passing him and then moved over before he actually cleared Hulkenberg. Yeah. So his uh, driver's rear, uh, left rear tire smack in smacked into the um front right of hulkenberg's um made hulkenberg's problems even worse uh took petrov took himself out and that was that he ended up getting penalized for it one little aside from that though that was really cool is you know whenever we see the start of the race uh, they always have that really long angle lens you see it from uh, out in front of watch their face and they come toward you uh the replay showing the race start from the side where just gave you a sense of how fast these cars accelerate away it's truly incredible how quick they are. It was very cool to see that because you really, aside from actually being there live, you don't get to see that very often. So I thought that was neat. Yeah. Uh, so then we get down into turn one uh, <laughs> where Felipe Massa uh, going going on the inside, I guess just got way inside. too much, two, on, too two much tires on the, on the grass. On the, yeah, too much on the grass. Uh, lost all traction and ended up just sort of spearing uh, Vidantonio Liuzzi's force. He was, just, just that went. was a blunt force. That was a candlestick in the library to uh, that that <laughs> poor Liuzzi, I mean, yeah. he got he got hammered hard. They were, again, they were both fine, but uh, you yeah. know, Massa's day went from bad to worse very very fast. Liuzzi was an innocent bystander in the whole thing. Yeah, so they had a safety car after all that, and during the safety car, two laps later, uh, Robert Kubica's wheel falls off. Like just, just 
on the, during the yellow. Just kind of happens. And Kubica was in second at the time. I mean, he was very, very strong. So that was a huge disappointment. Yeah, that's too bad because I really wanted to see Kubica do well. He did great in qualifying, um, especially, you know, took advantage of, of Hamilton moving back. Um, and if, yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is uh, we all know you like Polish sausage, but this is getting a little bit out of hand. You know what? Uh, but I think, you know, he's, he's not, he's not, <laughs> you don't have anything for that. No, I don't. Um, I mean, he's, he's not contending for the championship, but he can still certainly upset what goes on. If he could, you know, potentially get a race win or, you well, know, a podium, yeah, independent just, of that. I mean, he just wants to win races and be fast and he is genuinely fast in that car. Yeah. And to be able when to, it's got four wheels, <laughs> <laughs> his abilities shrink tremendously when it's down to three. I mean. Yeah, so that was it. Was day done quickly for Renault. That was it was a, a bad day for them. Uh, and then the rest of the race went on uh, pretty pretty straightforward for a while there. Yeah, that was six cars out before turn one was done. It was pretty amazing. Well, five cars out before turn one was done. Six before the yellow flag was complete, and uh, I think it ended up being eight cars out in total. Um, one thing that uh, in general was impressive because. In a lot of ways, it was a very exciting race, but in some ways, you know, Vettel took off with it and and never let it go. But uh, someone that was great fun to watch was Kamui Kobayashi. Yeah, just storming his way through the field and uh, and twice. You know, he yeah. he stormed his way through the field. He made some. He was huge under braking and uh, was able to make up pretty much all his ground there. He made a ton of passes there. This these amazing late braking maneuvers. Um, and then he went into the pits. He had a later pit stop, lost a bunch of the spots he made up, and he did it all over again. Yeah, he ended up finishing seventh. He put on option tires and just, just made it happen. It was, uh, it was yeah, like Kubica in Singapore, where it's like late in the race, getting on those options. And, yes. uh, and just, but it wasn't nearly as late in the race. No, it, wasn't it was nearly, more mid-race. It, but, it was mid-race, but he just, yeah, it just was, was magic just getting through those. Um, actually did have uh, a collision with, was it Al-Gashwari? Um, yes. And, and it wasn't enough to end either of their races, thankfully. They both kept going, but it was enough to, it messed up al front wing and he had to come in and uh you know take a stop to uh to get a new one and and you know slowed him down it could have been uh, it could have been disaster but it wasn't uh that uh, i think you and i sort of agreed was uh more you know jamie Algaswari just kind of going wide yeah. into kamui kobayashi definitely where he didn't need to yeah kobayashi gave him plenty of room the other person he passed was nick heidfeld was who was ahead of him on the field heidfeld was eighth mm-hmm. and um made his way made his way by barrichello and that guy's got a lot of experience i mean oh that's, yeah that's, i mean it's very impressive and he did so without trying to run barrichello into the wall too so um, very good run. And the other thing was, uh, Jensen Button. I mean, uh, he was, he was qualifying time. Wasn't amazing, but then we came, come to find out he was on the prime tire. We're like, Ooh, this is interesting. And sure enough, Jensen Button. And uh, he only had three laps to do that time too. I think they said he, he kind of get the timing wrong and, uh, he didn't actually have that many laps in qualifying. So he could have even done better on the, on the prime tire. Um, but you know, yeah, to, to start where he did, he did a good job. And so and sure enough, as the race went on, Jensen Button ended up, uh, leading the race. He went from sixth, and then he was fifth at the start because of Hamilton's pedal. And he got up to fourth. And, uh, and then as people started to uh, peel off the pits, um, took lead of the race, unfortunately, because he was on those prime tires and, uh, you know, not quite up to this pace of Vettel and Weber anyway, uh, once he was in front, he started losing the gap pretty fine, mm. pretty fast. So it ended up being kind of a, 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 I would say a zero sum game there at the end of the day, he ended up finishing fourth, which is very respectable. He would have been fifth if it weren't for Lewis Hamilton's problems, which, which we can get to next, but all in all a respectable drive, but not good enough to really keep him in contention for the championship. It's, it's becoming 
a bigger and bigger task at this point. Yeah, for sure. And and you mentioned Hamilton's issues. Uh, Hamilton was running well and actually did did well to make up uh, pretty much all the spots that he that he lost quite um, quickly, in fact. But uh, then, yeah, midway through the race, said he lost third gear, and you could see him struggling on you know accelerating out of medium speed corners, uh, definitely having to you know wind it all the way up in second, and then go into fourth, and you know having the thing bogged down at a measly twelve thousand RPM or something, which. Uh, was you know which is quite low for these cars and, and sounded <laughs> weird but you know it slowed him down um so yeah button caught up to hamilton and you know kind of let him around and said you know there's no reason to, to race well, but it was two seconds a lot faster yeah. than jensen at that point because not only did jensen lose third gear but button was on fresh option tires i mean it was yeah you know so uh yeah it ended up being... and button did pass hamilton yeah, yeah so it was da- <laughs> it was damage control for hamilton i think he did a good job of of doing so uh, he still ended up 20 seconds uh in front of schumacher uh who who finished sixth so um you know for hamilton it was just yeah get some points don't crash out of the race and he did that and and you know yeah some some problems so um, and uh how about michael schumacher finishing sixth yeah man he held on to it um uh, one of the reasons he did finish sixth, though, was he was behind his teammate, uh, Nico Rosberg, until Nico Rosberg took himself out in a big, big way. Yeah. Just just ate it hard. Yeah. We didn't actually <laughs> really see uh, was see what went on with that. Uh, just, you know, it was kind of, you know, we saw from the back when we figured, oh, you know, Schumacher must have sort of done some weird move and run him off the road or whatever. No. Uh, but no. Nothing yeah, to do Rosberg with it. Yeah, Rosberg just kind of effed himself. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, okay, so for a long time, though, uh, Schumacher was up running right behind Rosberg. There, that was one of the close battles to watch for uh, yes. for a lot of the race, actually. And, uh, just you know, it was it was putting some pressure on. He was getting pretty close, uh, you know, behind him, getting, definitely running in the disturbed air and all that. Um, but uh, Schumacher did not, have, did not have stuff for Rosberg. They had a couple of runs down the front straight and, uh, you know, making their single moves and trying to get around. It never quite made it work. But it was definitely not like the Schumacher we've been seeing this season. This was a shoe knocker that was confident. He was fast. He did get into Q3, although though, although barely. But then at the beginning of the race, he really took off. He gained a bunch of positions. And like you said, he finished sixth. This is definitely much more of a Schumacher that uh, we want to see and personally I hope to see next season. Yeah, if the Mercedes for 2011 is really geared around uh, Schumacher's driving style and all that, like they hopefully, like they're, you know, they're doing, um, and we get drives like this, then it could be a, a good combination to watch. Yeah, if they if they do gear it around Michael Schumacher, I hope they do include third gear. I think Lewis Hamilton would recommend that. That would probably be a good way to go. Um, the last thing I want to mention about this though is uh, Mark Webber. So you know, he was just kind of you know not quite up to Vettel's pace, um, you know, and and ended up second in the race. Uh, but he did just get that little knife in there in a little bit. Did uh, set fastest lap at the very last lap of the race. Um, ended up setting fastest lap, and uh, that was that was cool. Just to kind of be like, yeah, Vettel won the race, but come on, dude. Um, and actually, Weber finished nine tenths of a second behind Vettel, so it was uh, very close. And the, it was just just the Red Bulls just owned it. But that's not why you guys uh, tuned in. That's not why you're listening to the show. You want to know, Robin? How did you do in your lemons race? Well, first of all, Robin, what is a lemons race? Oh, right. So, okay, here in America, we have this thing that was created a couple years ago called uh, a lemons race. And it's usually the 24 hours of lemons. And uh, it is a race, an endurance race, where the cars can cost no more than $500. And um, as some of the more astute listeners might know, I am in business school right now. And me and a few of my uh, business school mates, as some of you might refer to them, uh, Put together a lemons car. It was a 1985 Pontiac Trans Am. Oh, that's such a solid choice. What for a, a great car. start! Okay, so uh, I was kind of like I guess you'd call the expert at the beginning, 
But this other guy was leading the whole thing. I said, look, I don't want to run this. I don't have the time. But So I said, okay, two rules about lemons that you need to know. I said, get a car that runs, and I would recommend a Honda. You should get a Honda. And I said, no F-bodies. Don't buy an old Camaro or Firebird. No Camaro or Firebird or Trans Am. And so he found a 1985 Pontiac Trans Am without an engine. I was like, great. That's perfect. Great. Great. That's perfect. That so was when like, you pass the torch to say, I am no longer the expert on this. <laughs> exactly. You are. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. I want as little to do with this as possible. But amazingly enough, after six months of blood, sweat, and tears, and then a lot more sweat and some more blood. And spilled fuel. And, and huge coolant. amounts of kitty litter. Um, we had a running 1985 Pontiac Trans Am with a uh, blue paint job and a maize lightning bolt. And uh, the University of Michigan colors are maize and blue. So that was very apropos. Um, we showed up to the race um, with a car that didn't pass tech inspection. We had about four or five things to fix. We fixed those four or five things. We went through tech inspection again. They found three more things that were wrong with it. Uh, the race started. Four and a half hours later, we fixed the three more things that they found. And we actually uh, went out and raced uh, four and a half hours late. Um, but we did manage to get about three hours of driving in before the car broke again. <laughs> so... Um, Thus wh- cementing the, the Trans Am as the solid oh, it was endurance terrible. performer. We decided, uh, we told the race organizer that the best thing for him to do was to uh, look at who signed up and uh, directly proportionally buy as much oil dry as there are F-bodies entering the race. Because ours puked every type of fluid you can imagine. It puked, tr- puked gasoline, trans fluid, coolant. And probably some oil and power, uh, power steering somewhere along There's the way. There's blinker fluid come out of it. It was, <laughs> it was, it was bad. Uh, yeah, and that that, uh, that particular car uh, was home to a cat for quite a long time. And, you know, you know, cats like to pee in their homes. So there was also some uh, cat urine that probably okay, so leaked was a, out so, here and there. So the car, we, I think we get the picture of the car. But so what, what during the actual driving part, how was, uh, how was actually running the car and, and getting some laps in? Well, that was very interesting. Uh, the car uh, was loose on entry, mm. loose on exit, mm. and loose during braking. Oh, mid-corner, though? Was it, <laughs> it was good? Mid-corner was totally solid. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so every time I hit the brakes, I had to turn to the right by about 90 degrees to keep from spinning. And uh, every time I turned right, you'd turn right. It was more of like you'd have left turns and right flicks because you'd turn to the left, turn to the left. Then you turn to the right and you have to flick back to neutral, turn to the right and flick back to neutral. And uh, so it was, it was an entertaining car to drive. And I kid you not, the tires on that car were at least 20 years old. But they held up for the three hours that we were running. It was actually no, pretty impressive. They don't make them like they used they to. They were like 1990 Firestone Firehawk tires. Well, how can you beat that? Yeah, great in the snow, I think, but <laughs> maybe not so great. So anyway, I do have a couple of photos that I'm going to put on Facebook for you guys in the near future. And um, uh, I appreciate you allowing me two minutes to talk about it. <laughs> All right, so it's time, as always, to hear from you guys, our, our loyal fans, and uh, be post comments on our, on our webpage and tweets at us and Facebook messages and all that. And uh, we did actually get some some flack from uh, last week uh, where the, the news was, was brought to us. Uh, there was a photo of Mark Weber's wife and all that. And I think uh, basically – Partner, life partner. Yeah. Uh, what – uh, you know, we ended up sort of just have, having a little laugh about it and ended up sounding a lot meaner than it was supposed to. So there were certainly no ill intentions. Uh, we have nothing but uh, nothing but love for Mark Weber and everyone around Mark Weber. And 
Uh, I'll read Peter comments, uh, Peter's comments real quick, and then I'm going to comment on uh, comment them on myself. Wow! Just listen. I have enjoyed the F1 show over the last couple of months. I was very disappointed with your comments regarding Mark Webber's partner. They were unprofessional, you should have known better, and unnecessary. Not everybody stays a 14-year-old schoolboy, Jim. You need to move on. Good luck, Peter. Peter, first of all, I have you know, Jim's 15th birthday is just around the corner. I'll hit that milestone. And we're going to have some cake and some nice things, but he's going to be he's going to be a junior soon and he 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 knows. He's got turn papers to write. I got to start growing up. <laughs> but <laughs> But the point is, I guess that's that's not like the new direction for our podcast or anything like that. Uh, it's not like it's a gossip thing. Uh, we just sort of yeah had a, had a little joke about it, and I think can ended up sounding meaner than it needed to. So uh, right, certainly didn't. We don't have any ill will towards Weber or I'm, his partner. I'm and... pretty sure Mark Weber doesn't listen to this show, but if he does, <laughs> first of all, Mark, that's awesome. You have great taste in podcasts. Uh, drop yes. us a line sometime. And secondly, uh, much respect, dude, and uh, and and good luck in everything. Yeah. So long story short, we're sorry. I mean, we we certainly didn't mean to offend anybody, uh, and you know, it's just one of those things. Sometimes we like to have fun, and sometimes you have fun in the wrong ways. Fair enough. Anyway, moving on, we had a lot of comments as usual, and most of them were still, you know, happy with us. Uh, uh, many thanks to Ken, uh, to Michael Kornbrecha, uh, Chris Aslop, Alsop, Alsop, I think, yeah. And uh, I had one here that I really wanted to read, and it's somewhere here. Ooh, here it is. Uh, from Michael A. Hi, guys. Love the show. Being from the European continent, I didn't think there's much of an F1 following of in the U.S. because of your IndyCar, NASCAR, etc. But since first downloading your podcast for Monaco, I've never looked back. I love the intelligent insights mixed in with some lighthearted banter. Well, thank you. Uh, I would just like to ask a question to you both. And this is why I uh, picked this one. Here we are. Yep. In your opinions, does Europe breathe? Breathe? Breed. I would, yeah. Uh, it says, you know, breathe. But anyway, does Europe breed better racers than the U.S.? <laughs> is F1 truly the top of the world echelon in terms of collective talents and skills? Or is that another European myth busted? I look forward to your response. Jim, I'll let you open this one. Okay. Uh, I, I think there's a lot more of a culture around certainly open wheel racing in the UK, and uh, which I've never been to like the rest of Europe, but I think it's kind of the same way. Like Certainly in England. Um, well, I, I've been to France, and France is definitely and the so same And so many way. more people are just aware of it as a possible career opportunity, as some cool engineering, as something to watch on Sunday, it just as, as much of a sort of a – uh, just an awareness of it. Um, I think as far as when it comes to actually drivers, because there are lots of talented drivers that come out of the U.S. and, uh, and that are in people that, that work here, um, the what it takes to be successful and, uh, you know, and by that I mean I guess making a living even in racing, um, if you're in the U.S., it's so much harder – yeah, to get into, I guess, a, a competitive IndyCar seat, or to, yeah. to you'd have to, you know, move abroad to uh, to start working in, in uh, you know, up toward the ladder towards F1. Um, when if you look at, okay, I'm a, I'm a reasonably good driver. I've done some karting. Maybe I've done some, you know, some different. Uh, done some different things and you start looking at what's available in in you know nascar and the, the different nascar series with that uh, with the bush series and craftsman truck series it's, it and is all these the camping ones. world truck series the nationwide series yeah. which once was about and the sprint cup and and you look at um the kind of money that's being made there the sponsorship dollars and all that and it's sort of like 
you'd have to be so focused and so dedicated yeah. to to get into F one, and obviously that that's why it hasn't happened in so long. Right. Where you know I do think there are some drivers in in NASCAR that yeah. could have been F one champions if that were the the path that they wanted to take, but it's Absolutely. a and much you, easier path to take. Yeah, and that that's the thing. The the, the the biggest problem is this: there are definitely some American drivers that are very dedicated and have gone to Europe to compete. Patrick Long, who is now a uh, Porsche factory driver did it. He was also part of one of the original Red Bull driver development programs. Uh, Scott Speed was in F1. I don't think Jim or I, uh, I don't think either of us think he really got a fair shake. I think he definitely, uh, had he been given a little bit more opportunities, a little bit more support, could have been very successful in F1. But then the, the guys, uh, NASCAR is such a lucrative option. The paychecks in NASCAR are just as big, if not bigger, than the paychecks in Formula One. Mm-hmm. The people that uh, grow up here can stay here, stay with their families, and um, <clears throat> it's it's such a huge phenomenon here that it's so easy to get caught up in it. I know a lot of guys that were uh, big IndyCar guys that moved over to NASCAR. AJ Allmendinger was really big in Champ Car, and he was really young. He's now in uh, NASCAR, um, and gosh, he's the only one I can think of off the top of my head right now. But the the point is, there's a lot out there. But I think Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon. And uh, even uh, uh, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch, if, if those guys were directed their career in a different thing, I think they're every bit as good of a driver that they could have had Formula One success. I mean, they're extremely talented. I think I think even like Juan Pablo Montoya, if he had ever driven F1, he could have maybe won a couple of races. Yeah, driven yeah. For a good he t- like he might have had maybe, success. Maybe McLaren. Yeah, it's possible. Um, I it's think, possible. you know, just, you know, it's kind of what if, but. Uh, you know, there, there there could have been. I mean, but I guess if you think about it, and um, and there was actually an interview with uh, Dario Franchitti on the on the grid at um, was, was not Singapore. Was Monza? I think it was Monza. And uh, and they yes, because oh, oh, well, just real quick, Dario Franchitti's nephew is um, Paul. Oh, I'm going to mess up his name now. It, he's one of the reserve drivers. Della Resta. Paul Deresta. Deresta. Oh, that's is, his nephew. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's his, that's Dario Franchitti's nephew, and apparently Dario Franchitti's got a decent chunk of money. In, in put into his career, but anyway, yeah. go ahead, Jim. So, and they said, oh, you know, and so, some someone was interviewing uh, Dario Franchitti. Um, he said, oh, have you ever thought about F one, or did you ever want to move over? He's like, you know, hey, I've got, I'm in like the, one of the top teams, winning races, won a championship in IndyCar, and to if he were to make the leap to F one, would have to start in a backmarker team and just do all this hard work and all these things all you know all over again. And where's where's the fun in that? You know, he right. can win races in IndyCar, he can win championship, um, possibly another one, and uh, and you know, just have the success. So why, you know, why make it such an uphill battle for himself? And I think that's, uh, that pretty much covers, I think a lot of people's attitudes about it. Yeah. And then one last thing I want to add to this, it's for guys like Jim and I, it's really unfortunate, but the, you know, road racing is the thing to do in Europe and in a lot of places. But, um, uh, ovals here in the States have, have really taken over and they're a huge part of the racing culture. Um, a lot of smaller tracks have, you know, quarter mile and half mile paved ovals and dirt track ovals, and uh, then there's also desert trucks and things like that. But there's a lot more oval related stuff, and some of it, I mean, you know, it's not, uh, you know, it's not spraying champagne exactly, but some of it is extremely entertaining to watch. And these drivers are very talented. I mean, there's these guys that go around quarter mile ovals. And they're averaging almost eighty miles an hour. It's just insane. And sideways the entire oh, time. Oh yeah, they've got and there's, yeah, it's... they've got this uh, series called the uh, uh, I forget what it's called, World of Outlaws. I think it's called, and it's these just ridiculous. You know, they're like engines and seats, and then just massive wings everywhere. And they're hugely fast, and they're very entertaining to watch. So you know, there's a little bit of a get or done aspect to it, but 
um, you know, which I we kind of appreciate as which well. Which we appreciate. I mean, yeah. And one more thing, I want to add. I, I really want this to be clear. There's a lot of uh, American fans that are into NASCAR that you know don't exactly exude a very worldly view, in our opinion. But all the people that are in NASCAR are huge F1 fans. I mean, they're real racers. Yeah. And uh, the most successful team in F1 uh, <laughs> in Sprint Cup. Is um, oh god, I'm going to blank on his name, uh, but Jimmy Johnson and uh, Jeff Gordon race for him at Henderson or Hendrickson. Yeah, Rick Hendrick, Rick Hendrick, Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, Hendrick, yeah. Um, he we don't know NASCAR that yeah, well. We sorry. don't know NASCAR, <laughs> but he started a road racing team. His team was a road racing team at first. Yeah, and switched over to NASCAR because that's where the opportunities were. So, as a long way of answering the question, I think that's. Uh it's, yes. it's, it's an interesting question, though, and, and it's, it's worth, worth looking at. And, and we'll but the see. short answer is no. I don't think the talent is better in Europe. I think it's different. And I think that, I, I think the very top American drivers could make it in F1. Um, I also, uh, getting back to the point, I uh, want to thank Herman and uh, Ian Greenstreet for commenting. And, and thank you. Rants on F1 was back to join us once again. And unfortunately for me, he did not make any crazy predictions. Which was unfortunate. Yes. Uh, but uh, so, as I mentioned before, we had some good fun on uh, Twitter and everything, keeping up, uh, staying up late Saturday night to, uh, or Friday night, um, for what was going to be qualifying and all that. And, uh, and, and just, you know, had some, some tweets out there with, uh, with one of these that's sort of a near real time race for us. Um, so I wanted to thank uh, Jackie Morgan, Sparkle Lily, uh, Matthew Venard, Tim Meekins. Happy birthday, Tim, by the way, this past weekend. Um, Deep Blue UK, we get, you know, just a bunch of, uh, bunch of people weighing in on Twitter and, uh, and responding to us and just had to, it's a lot of fun. It's sort of a, little conversation going all over the world it's a fun thing for kids to do you know what just because you don't understand <laughs> it we also had some uh, uh very good comments on uh facebook page uh would it be jaffa or yaffa graves um i can't say he said man kobayashi is fast if bmw Sauber, ferrari citron honda fiat chrysler gets rid of him and kuba <laughs> puts puts on the red i think renault would be neglectful not to pick him up I'm not sure where Renault stands with potential drivers, but it should happen. And uh, we agree. I think Kobayashi, last year he kind of came on the scene late with Toyota, and we're like, man, this guy's actually pretty good. Where was this guy all And I was like, okay, maybe it was just just some really good energy clicking. He was the wrong team. But, man, he's come back and uh, really, really solidified himself. But I, I think, I thought they already said that he's back on for 2011. Yeah, and even early in the year, this year, I think, uh, there was a lot of sober failures for one, but uh, also we, we sort of didn't quite see that magic, but it's back, man, and I think for a, a couple races now, Kobayashi has, has had some magic and, uh, you know, been able to been able to just really bring some good results and just see some good on-track stuff. I mean, and so I think we can uh, officially uh, pass the torch, the Takuma Sato yes. um, F1 show favorite just like driver's driver award. Uh, over to Kamui Kobayashi. Kamui for just Kobayashi. Like, we just got to come up with a just with some a, ballsy moves and just fun stuff. It's just good, entertaining to watch. And, we just got to shorten up that name, make it cooler because Takuma Sato. Takuma Sato. Ugh, you know what I mean? But Kamui Kobayashi. I don't know. It's, it's like Cam Cove or something. Yeah, something exactly. Better than that. You got to come up with something because it, you know it sounds like a noodle dish right now. It does. Um, so maybe our fans can help can us with that. Can I have the uh, Kamui Kobayashi, please? Yeah, and a Coke. That'd be great. Thank you. So get in touch with us in a variety of ways. Uh, if you go to f1show.com, uh, you, the best you can leave comments right on the, on, the, on the page there. You can see links to our Facebook page and Twitter and all that. And uh, it's lots of fun, so you should do that. Yes, and just do it just like Sean Scanlon, Paul Peard, Chris Kellida, Ken Frischnick, Will Carver. Michael Kornbrecker. Bernard. 
Akin, oh my gosh, you're, okay. I don't even want to. James Payne, Tony Drake, and on and on and on. It's it's a great community. A lot of good people that are genuinely into the sport, just like sharing opinions and bouncing ideas off each other. It's really a lot of fun. Trivia, 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 trivia. And last race, I have to say, we had quite a question for you guys, and it was as follows: What is the most recent race with no retirements. And we can tell you that it definitely was not Suzuka of 2010. No, the answer was the 2005 Italian Grand Prix. There were 20 starters and 20 finishers. It was the most recent race. And many of you got that correct. Um, the last one before that, however, was also in 2005. It was well, like two, two races prior. Yeah, two races prior. It was the 2005 USGP with six starters and six finishers. Yes, that was the infamous... No Michelin tires because they might blow up randomly. Ralph Schumacher hit the wall at 180 miles an hour. Gate. Gate. Yes. Anyway, but that was the past. We are moving on to the future. And because it was so late, I worked extra hard on this question for all of you. And I the can question, tell it's going to be a winner. <laughs> it's going to be. It's a 16-parter. Oh, goodness. It's going to take 17 minutes. Each part is more than a minute. The question is, who is... The dreamiest McDream boat in all the land. <laughs> Seriously? Yes. That's your question? It's not easy. I don't think it's going to be who you think it is. It's going to be Jensen Button because you want his – never mind. Um, <laughs> okay. I want, I want his bicycle. He's got a really nice bicycle. He's he, a triathlete. He probably does. I could go without the helmet. Does he have a Veyron or do you sell that? Anyway, so really that's that's what we're going with? That is – that. listen, it's, it's 11.15 at night. All right. Um, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There's <laughs> yeah. your trivia question. Hey, you, you'll have to know the answer. You'll see if you get a Coke in two weeks' time. All right. And speaking of Cokes, I think it's prediction time. All right. I am excited about today's predictions. Uh, having having peeked into the next page just a little bit and uh, <laughs> and, and seeing what uh, what exactly I had predicted from before. So why don't you run down how we all did? Keep in mind, everybody, that we don't predict on Friday after watching practice or no. Saturday morning right before qualifying. Or even Wednesday. Or, or Wednesday or whatever. We predict at the end of the last show. We've got very little to go on here. And yet, and yet, as I raise my finger to the sky, Jim correctly picked Vettel to be on pole and Vettel to win the race because he's got no balls and he just you know predicts safely. Which is basically how our system is structured. There's no incentive to predict otherwise. So <laughs> you might as well go with the safe bet. I, on the other hand, said, no, I'm going to go for the crowd favorite, the best guy in the world ever, Mark Weber. And he let me down. What can I say? Oh, he that's... loses a gold star, All right, so frankly. What's, what's the, uh, the, the Coke tabulation? So, Jim, you scored zero points. You did better than a hole-in-one. You aced it. You nailed it. Fantastic. Nice. I, on the other hand... Was off by one each time, so I scored two points, still very respectable. And both of us dominated the stat model. Because the stat model said, oh, it's going to be Alonzo, Alonzo again. Nerd. No, it's not. Of course not. Everyone knows that, except for the stat model, because the stat model is stupid. And Um, finally... And to to explain, the stat model decides whoever was on pole last time will be on pole again this time, which is Alonzo, right? Yes. And then whoever won the last race will will win this race again, which is Alonzo. Not having any idea of how fast the Red Bulls are going to be at Suzuka. I mean, you know, idiot. What kind of stat model doesn't know how fast the Red Bulls are going to be? (laughs) Yeah, right. And finally, we did have a... Uh, fan once again pick and it was Chris Alsop 
And he said Vettel will be on pole, but Mark Webber will win the race. So he split kind of Jim's prediction in mind, and he also splits the point. He gets one point. I would say that is... Well, I think he maybe gets one more point because he says fastest lap will go to Vettel, which, as we know, was not the case. It was Mark Webber. Ooh, ooh, that is a shame. Fans, you just got bumped down to two points. I was going to say... He went the extra mile on the prediction, but it was not right. And it was all for not... And it was almost... Tied for the best fan prediction, and we had. We oh had, no, that's not true. We've had you guys have been able to predict perfectly before. Well, yeah, we uh, had several predictions actually that said Hamilton DNF, which I think was a case of of looking at the past and trying to predict the future from it, um, which I it was I guess a fairly safe bet as well. But no, Hamilton did finish the race, so uh, with car trouble, but he did make it through. So uh, anyone who predicted Hamilton DNF also less coke for you. Yeah, that is a shame. Now the Grand Tully, Tully. <laughs> wow, I really need to go to bed. The grand tally is, Jim, you now have 137 points. You have won this event six times. Hi, uh, I, however, have 113 points and have won this nine times. I have to say, though, you are closing that gap down. It is, a, uh, it is becoming a tighter race. You've uh, definitely improved since your early race uh, kerfuffles. Well, I was um, trying to be the interesting predictor, but there's no money in that. There's zero money in that. The fans are still coasting along at 181 points. Uh, not not bad this time around, but you guys, uh, you guys got to take it easy. What about that stat model? That stat model is now in the triple digits finally, but it has 100 points. Alas, it is winning, which is unfortunate. However, uh, according to Jensen Button, the McLaren is going to be much stronger at Korea. How he knows this, I have no idea. But if he's right, and he always is because he's amazing. Well, because he's been playing F1 2010, the amazing <laughs> new video game out for all, all consoles now. So there you go. Uh that being the case, uh, it will not be Vettel Vettel again, and hence the uh, stat model will be totally wrong, and we will claw this thing back. I'm sure of it. But that is an excellent time to ask Jim yes. who is going to win and be on pole in Korea. Let's, let's go chronologically. Who's going to be on pole? Lewis Hamilton. Oh, my yeah. goodness yep. gracious. It's a, it's a brand new track for everyone. It's going to be slippery surface. Lewis likes those conditions. Uh, button will be like You're good in the race. Thinking about this, I but, like this. Um, I like how just, you just put a, some just thought a, I mean, into that. It's going to be a Red Bull, like it's just going to be. But I, I want it to be Hamilton, so I'm going to put Hamilton. I'm going to just we'll go out and say that out there. Um, and uh, but I, I think uh, throughout the course of the race, he's not going to quite be able to hold on to it. May not have all seven gears by the time he finishes. <laughs> um, but I think our boy Weber is going to end up Ooh, end up taking the day. Mark Weber. Uh, now uh, this is tough for me because. I agree with you. In terms of raw, t- raw talent, McLaren is way, way up there. However, you cannot deny how consistently good Alonso has been these last few races. And I think he can taste it. I think he's within striking distance. And I think that – I think he's going to win the race. I do. But From pole? No. No, I don't think from pole. I think Sebastian Vettel is going to show up with some gumption – and be the new kid on the block see, with some I, speed. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't see, I don't see Alonso. I mean, maybe at a pit stop or something. They may, I don't know. But yeah, we'll see. That's that's why they run the races, right? Alonso will will it. To oh, happen. oh, here's another prediction. Where will the next race be held? <laughs> There's a very good chance it'll be Korea, but it might not be. It might not be. I'm, oh, so I our vote, predictions are kind of screwball. Then if it's not, I vote Italy so we can get another pizza. Or when is the Mexican Grand Prix? Because that is going to be delicious. That's true. Well, oh. But we get burritos anyway. I yeah, mean, regardless. Okay. The other thing I want to mention before we go. Um, 
uh, is that uh, F1 2010, my, my amazing, lovely wife, uh, did actually get me that game, and uh, I now have that on Xbox, and I play it on Xbox Live, and I'm rubbish at it so far, but I'm getting better. I'm in my third race now. I've done practice for Malaysia, but I haven't qualified and raced it yet. Let me tell you, I finished fifth <laughs> in an HRT, so <laughs> that, I think, is something special. I, I had a sweet pass. Why you're not signed? I, I have no I idea. Passed, uh, I, I passed uh, Schumacher, of Button. course. I had the sweet pass on Massa. Like, you didn't pass fifth. Button. That's a lie. No, fifth in an HRT. So anyway... Um, <laughs> So no, if anyone wants to uh, wants to hop online, if we're probably not ever online at the same hours, but I will give my gamer tag, uh, the Xbox gamer tag, out to anybody. If you want to do some multiplayer, um, you'll probably beat me, and that might be fun. Um, my username thing is uh, sketchy at best, and uh, my gamer tag is go outside and get a job. So uh, you can because look I for don't me. know how to use an Xbox. Fair enough, loser. Anyway, I'll post a link to that, but it's uh, sketchy at best, all typed out all together. Why don't you just tweet what your username is, and then all those twats can tweet together, and you can don't know twat away with your video game. I'll be I'll be outside enjoying nature, the great outdoors, breathing in oxygen. You'll be staring at your M3 out the window. Probably. Probably. All right. Uh, we will have a podcast from you in either two weeks or possibly five weeks, depending on if there's a Korean Grand Prix or not. Uh, and in the meantime, I am Jim Lau. And I am Robin Warner. I hope you have a good day and a pleasant tomorrow. The F1 Show is hosted by Jim Lau and Robin Warner. Many thanks to our editor, Jim Lau. We couldn't do trivia without our fact finder, Robin Warner. A tip of our hat to producers Robin Warner and Jim Lau, as well as our executive producers Robin Warner and Jim Lau. Of course, a thousand thank yous to our excellent catering service, Restaurants. And finally, we'd like to offer a huge thank you to Bio Bonsai for use of their song Inspector B from the Big Band album for our outro and intro music. The F1 Show is brought to you by two Americans who love the sport of F1, Jim Lau and Robin Warner.